passengers, good afternoon. You're all very welcome on board this Stephen Runs Vegan flight to the Blue Zones. Can you tell I'm missing work, perhaps? I was flying today, so I'm back in the habit. I've made a few announcements. Welcome on board, flight time, blah, 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 and so on and so forth. They did recently introduce uh, gender-neutral greetings on our flights, which I'm in favour of. So instead of ladies and gentlemen, welcome on board, it's dear passengers. That's what I've concluded anyway. I can't think of the best gender-neutral welcome for everyone. So I say dear passengers, best of passengers, and they say in Dutch, best at Isaacers, best passengers, dear passengers. So I've kind of taken from that. The official company recommendation was hello everyone. Hello everyone, welcome on board. And yeah, also fine, that just sounds a bit casual to me. But regardless, welcome on board this Stephen Runs Vegan podcast flight to the Blue Zones. That's what I want to talk about with you today. But before all that, just a quick catch up. As I said, I was flying today, which was fun, had a great crew. We just did a quick Stansted and back. So flying from Amsterdam to London Stansted and back again. 45 minute flight each way, up and down, very quick. I was home before the morning was finished, even though I started early enough. And it was enjoyable. Like I said, I had really nice colleagues today. We got on well, just unfortunate that we didn't have enough time to spend together to catch up, to chat. We were just doing the work we had to do. Because basically we have the same amount of work to do on a... 45 minute flight as we do on a four hour flight so normally you get a lot of downtime where you're just sitting in the back drinking coffee and catching up and that's fun so I'm a bit sad I didn't get to do that today with with the colleagues that I flew with we fly with different people every day that can be better or worse today that was a good thing but hey maybe another time On the way back, we had a couple of difficult passengers with regards to face masks. Um, as you know, COVID, big thing at the moment. Mondkapjes zijn verplicht. Again, the Dutch phrase, face masks are mandatory on board. Excepting in medical situations, if someone's presenting with some sort of medical confirmation, doctors note they're exempt from wearing them. We had a few passengers today that were mm, claimed exemption and I very much didn't believe them. One woman was wearing this lanyard, this keycord thing with sunflowers, which is a lovely idea. It's a way of letting someone know that they have an in- invisible disability of some kind. So they might look fine, but they're not. And going through airport security or on board, and it's just a nice way for the rest of us to know treat them sensitively if if they if they react in a strange way and they have that sunflower lanyard you might know okay they could be autistic they could be anything they could have any sort of hidden situation condition going on this woman seemed totally fine and was flashing it around in such a casual way that i didn't exactly trust her i for all i know she passes it around with her friends excuse my cynicism that's years of aviation but regardless i couldn't question it uh we were the flight was quite empty today so we could move people around so nobody was really sitting within her radius except for her boyfriend i asked her what's the if if i can inquire about the condition she said no it's private i i um, okay fine that's your personal um that's your right 
but I, the, officially that's not our company's policy. And I had a chat with the captain who has the, 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 the final say on these things. And he said, in individually in this case, it's fine with him. If it's fine with me, it was fine with him. And that was okay. But that I told her, okay, you don't have to reveal anything to me. You don't have to wear a mask. But this is not official company procedure. So next time you might be in trouble. Uh, or you you might expect be have to wear a mask. We'll see. She was okay, but there was two at the back who were just a bit odd from the start. Um, they came on without masks, claiming PTSD. He served in the army for four years and he had trauma. And again, you can't take these things lightly. It could be legitimately serious. But on the other hand, I didn't get any of that from him. And his girlfriend, his partner, the girl traveling with him, was equally blase oh no no uh, it's, it's within my rights it's my human rights i don't have to wear a mask and yeah but on a flying a private company when you're on our plane you do have to wear a mask you sign up to you agree to those terms and conditions when purchasing your ticket but yeah again i'm not going to go into the nitty-gritty she was just a bit off in many ways lost her passport they, they disembarked separately. She was freaking out about a million different things. So it's just <laughs> just the life of a flight attendant. You, I, We had two half-empty flights today, about 50 people, compared to a full flight, which is about 180 people. So I flew about 100 people today. I'd say 95 of them were lovely and polite and obeyed the rules and gave me no cause for concern whatsoever. But that's the curse you don't remember those people and so now i'm complaining about the people who didn't wear a mask on my stansted flight like oh i hate the stansted flights that was so difficult no it's just a numbers game if you put 50 people in a room chances are you're going to find a problem with a couple of them especially when you're the authority and you have to make them follow the rules and so forth so i try not to get too overwhelmed i try not to get too cynical about things like this and i try to remind myself of the vast majority of people who do follow the rules and are pleasant and friendly and lovely and so pass quickly through your mind without much cause for concern. So yeah, that's uh, that's the work situation at the moment. We're not flying regularly. Um, it got busy in August and a bit in September, but now October is very quiet. They're telling us November will also be very quiet. And when we do fly, it's just not so fun. There's a lot of people not following the restrictions. And even on my way to the airport, in the airport itself, people aren't wearing masks and in close proximity. And it's just, of course, it's not the way it used to be. It won't be for a very long time to come. Yeah, I don't know how I feel, but that's that's where we are now. Uh, I'm, I'm still grateful to have a job. I know a lot of my colleagues in the avi- aviation industry have lost theirs or are in danger of losing theirs. And considering the sector i work in my job is quite secure i work for a safe airline and they are they consider amsterdam schiphol the base i'm in uh, an important base a critical aspect of their their business so they're going to keep us open as long as physically possible and it looks okay we we've taken a few um we've agreed to a few contract changes shall we say to put it lightly in order to secure the future of the base and to secure our jobs provided there is no second lockdown there's no massive cutback the way there was in the spring and summer of this year we'll have to hope for the best won't we
And yes, otherwise all is well. I'm uh, doing a bit of climbing and bouldering again these days while it's still safe to do so. The Netherlands has introduced some restrictions again because the numbers are getting back up, but nothing too drastic quite yet. There is discussion. They are recommending we wear face masks in more places. Again, it's not being made mandatory. I think it should be. I wear a face mask when I'm indoors in any public place, supermarkets and the like. For peace of mind and just to promote this good practice, I think, but it's not mandatory. And as a result, quite often I'm the only one in a supermarket wearing a face mask, but that's okay, fine. But bouldering and climbing still going ahead. That's a lot of fun. Running again semi-regularly. I, I, I took a couple of months of very quiet to little to no activity and now I'm getting back to November project workouts. I'm getting back into running a bit more and I just feel the, the spirit coming back, which is nice. So tell me, how are you? You can get in touch with me on Instagram at stevenrunsvegan, stevenrunsvegan at gmail.com. I'll probably say those again at the end of the show. If you have any questions about nutrition, about health, I'm not an expert, but I'm if you want legitimate scientific expert advice, you can go to many better places than me, but I'd like to think I'm good at real talk, at breaking down questions about running, about veganism, these the, the, small, the few things that I know a bit more about, in a way that a regular will understand, in a way that the trying to answer the questions that I wanted answered when I was curious about going vegetarian and going vegan or starting running. There are so many uncertainties in the beginning and i'd like to think i can help break down those walls a bit with the podcast but if there's anything i haven't talked about yet if there's something you'd like to know please do get in touch anyway i hope you're doing well i hope this (laughs) there's that meme about the email i hope this email finds you well and an email sent in a corporate setting without that beginning rarely finds any of us well but But this is me talking to you, and I'm really hoping all is well in your world at the moment. I did mention this is our flight to the Blue Zones, and that's what I'd like to talk about today. The Blue Zones, have you ever heard of the phrase? I hadn't until, again, I need a buzzer for this or a little bell every time I mention Matt Fraser and No Meat Athlete. That was how I'd heard of the Blue Zones, the No Meat Athlete radio podcast. The Blue Zones are essentially five areas in the world, all separately, very far away from each other, but they're five areas of the world with the most centenary, so the most people who live to be over 100. And not only that, but they live. there's a reason they live to be over 100. They're also the healthiest people. There are the, one of the locations in question is Ikaria in Greece, which records 20% less cancer cases overall almost 50% lower heart disease and seemingly little to no cases of dementia among their elder community. And that's amazing. They are some of the biggest conditions we suffer with and killers of people in modern Western society. We're not being killed by wild animals anymore. We're not being killed by malnutrition or starvation anymore. Malnutrition maybe, but not certainly not lack of nutrition. If anything, it's eating too too much, too far the other way. But I digress. So these are five places in the world where the happiest, healthiest, fittest, longest living people exist. And the beautiful thing is Dan Butner was a National Geographic researcher, writer, and he this whole thing stemmed from an article he wrote for the National Geographic, which turned into a best-selling book and so forth and beyond. And the interesting thing is these five places 
scattered all over the world, essentially have all the same things in common, basically the same reasons as to why they live such long, happy, healthy, fulfilled lives. So the blue zones in question are Icaria in Greece, I mentioned, one of the Greek islands, Sardinia in Italy, um, Corsica and Sardinia, two islands between Italy and France, one of those two is a blue zone. Nicoya in Costa Rica is another one, Okinawa in Japan, and Loma Linda in California. Loma Linda in California is essentially the home, the cultural hub of the Seventh-day Adventist church religious movement, which, from what I can tell, is basically Jehovah's Witnesses, and the Adventist cultural health and diet practices, the people who live there and what they believe, happens to be in line with the other Blue Zones that I mentioned. So critically, the Blue Zones, what do they do? What do they believe? How are they living better than the rest of us? And why are they living longer? Well, as I said, there are a number of overlapping cultural, habitual, dietary reasons as to why they all seem to live such healthy, prosperous lives. And Dan Butner kind of put a few smaller ones in together in a more holistic way. So there are nine lessons, he calls them, in his book about the Blue Zones. One of the critical ones is regular, moderate physical activity. And that's moderate and regular a key there because it's not an intense hour-long burnout at the gym once or twice a week. It's every day, doing a little bit, time on your feet, moving your body, functional, walking, cycling, doing physical chores or farm labor, moving your body in a regular way, in a healthy way, so you're not sitting for too long, you're not doing any one thing for too long, it's just diverse, frequent activity, which is what these communities all have in common. Second one is life purpose. This one seems a bit vague, you can take from this what you will. To me, it's a sort of, they... The Seventh-day Seventh Day Adventists, for example, the religious ones have their belief system, which is another one I'll get into later on, but they all have a purpose in life, and they'll have a job, or they have a passion, they have a goal, uh, a course in mind for their life, if you will, something to strive to, to work towards. It's not just mindless energy burnt on on fruitless tasks, fruitless effort, it's they're, they're working to a purpose, and yeah, I, to me, that's not one that not one that speaks to me as much as others. But if you can understand something and why life purpose would be a common cause of longevity among all these populations, then run with it. I'll I'll do more thinking and see if I see if I come to some understanding of it. Another big one he talks about is moderate caloric intake. Caloric intake: the amount of calories you consume, basically the amount of energy you take into your body. So essentially, the amount of eating you do. And moderate caloric intake, which would mean, firstly, not too much or not too little, obviously. So you're not starving and you're not stuffing yourself. It's just a nice, healthy, moderate caloric intake. Again, numbers it depends on the person. Some people are bigger, some people are more active, some people are smaller. They don't. They they require less, higher metabolism, all these sorts of different things. So each body to their own. I've done my calculations. I think you can find sort of online calculators and if you just google caloric intake for your height and weight and um, level of physical activity your your fitness levels and so on and so forth you can find a rough guide as to how much calories the amount of calories you should 
consume in a day and it's very different for everybody and you can read a number on a screen and try to follow that and feel like crap you can just eat to your level of satisfaction but the key is you're not starving yourself on in an unhealthy way and you're not stuffing yourself i think that's long story short that's quite self-explanatory Another key one for me, which I can absolutely relate to, a key commonality amongst all these different blue zone cultures is plant-based diet, or a largely, predominantly plant-based diet. So in many cases, some of them will eat fish, maybe small amounts of meat, but their diet is almost entirely based on plants. So if you consume, if you combine number four and number five in my list, moderate caloric intake and a plant-based diet, you'll get a phrase that I've seen around a few places that I really think is important to aspire to in terms of nutrition. Eat little, eat often, mostly plants. So don't, again, don't stuff yourself with one big giant dinner meal. That's that's kind of a modern Western um, take on how we should eat. It's maybe not the best way. Sure, I love a hot cooked dinner as much as anybody else, but eat little, eat often, mostly plants. And that's, yeah, You if you just follow that, uh, pause all other nutritional advice you see on, online much of it conflicting if you just follow those rules i think you can't really go wrong but i like yeah the plant-based diet is another big one that a lot of the blue zones have in common and there's something to it another one dan butner mentions is moderate alcohol intake especially wine so in a lot of these cultures they do drink alcohol but again moderate uh, to me Moderate alcohol intake can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. You know your own limits. You know what's healthy. Wine, seemingly, is a big one. Another nice rule of thumb I heard from sources, you could say, in my podcast listening and my reading all through the years on vegan stuff, is like an ideal day is a cup of coffee in the morning, green tea in the afternoon, and a glass of red wine in the evening. Now, you can skip any of them if you don't like them. You can have just water all day and essentially you'll be fine there are some benefits to coffee seemingly there are definitely benefits to green tea antioxidants or herbal teas as well that's unquestionable and seemingly a glass of wine at least in these cultures to me it's probably associated as much with the social aspect and the relaxation aspect as well as as much as anything in the drink itself any of the ingredients or the properties so I'm sure there are some healthy benefits, especially with red wine. There are some things in the grapes, in the drink, that benefit your body. But a glass of wine or a glass of beer or some limited alcohol intake will just relax you a little bit. It will it will break down the walls, you could say, the social barriers that we have up all day. And critically, socially, you're probably having it with family around a dinner table or with a few friends. And I think the connection centered around drinking which as we some of the best conversations at least at the time see may, may happen in a bar or may happen over a round of drinks so i think a lot of that is to do with the the positive side effects from moderate alcohol intake especially wine to quote the the article correctly the more the the holistic approach to drinking you know the more well-rounded version rather than just oh, now I can drink alcohol because the blue zones say it's healthy. Drinking in a healthy way is healthy. So know your limits. Keep it with keep it social, ideally. And yeah, glass of red wine is good for you. Another one they, uh, Dan Butner lists is engagement in spirituality or religion. 
Now, again, this can be attached to the life purpose. One I mentioned earlier, spirituality or religion can lead one to have a purpose in life, to have a goal, something worth straining for, a belief system to follow. And it doesn't matter what it is. As I've said, there's these blue zones are in California, they're in Japan, they're in Europe, they're in Costa Rica. It's all over the world and there's probably many varieties, many different types of religious beliefs or spiritual beliefs. But seemingly uh, um, some sort of faith in a higher power or in an afterlife or something beyond our control, something bigger than us, is important. I I don't think so. I I don't know. Spirituality is is a, a hugely fascinating and blurry area and everyone has a different definition of what it means. So forgive my blunt take on the matter, but... I'm not a religious man, by any means. I I would firmly categorize myself as an atheist. I grew up religious, and again, similar to the, the drinking one I was just talking about, where the nice part of going to church, going to Mass on a Sunday morning, was seeing friends and family, seeing people, and having a community that gathers together. There is something very enjoyable, very positive about the whole community gathering to celebrate together, celebrate life, worship a god, worship many gods, whatever. In my case, we would go and we would sing in the church choir every Sunday morning, and I loved that. I didn't believe really in what the words I was singing, but I enjoyed sharing songs, sharing music with my neighbours, with my friends, with my family, to the whole congregation, to the community. So certainly that aspect of it, again, the social connection, all coming together as one, is definitely uh, a positive and definitely would reduce stress levels, would increase connectivity, would, I would imagine, help with all sorts of anxiety, loneliness, depression. That's That's got to be a part of it. As for the literal belief in an afterlife, the belief in an immortal, in a, a theistic god, cool, do you? I, I don't believe, but I don't, I also don't believe in criticizing anybody else for believing But it's not up to me to tell you what or what not to believe. And if you find a way, a path in life that makes your moral compass direct, and if it gives you a better life, if it makes you a better person without harming anybody else, fantastic. Go for it. Number eight on Dan Buettner's list of nine lessons is engagement in family life. And this seems to coincide with generally prioritizing the family as the the key structure. Now, you can go back into the fact that we're social We are from the same branches of the evolutionary tree as apes, as monkeys, gorillas, chimpanzees, and they all exist in small tribes. They don't live in cities like we do these days, but they are essentially a a small tribe or a small litter group with quite a rigid power structure, a rigid community, if you would say, and especially prioritizing families. So The beauty of a lot of these places, Okinawa, Japan, Sardinia, Italy, and so on and so forth, they don't push away their elders. That's a critical part of it. So people in in our society these days, if if our parents, grandparents, those older in our life, we tend to, they tend to get very isolated, which is a tragedy. Their, Their spouse might pass away, their children move out, and they're left on their own. And that's just, obviously, it's not good for you to be alone all the time that's another key part of this study but also for the rest of the family for uh, they keep their elders they keep their older family members close 
there is still a productive, important, honoured, cherished, useful, loved part of the family group, part of the structure, which is how it should be, really. I mean, if if someone, if we're talking purely, like talking evolutionarily, if we're going back to when we used to live in the plains of Africa, and yes, okay, the elder members of the family cannot collect food, cannot hunt, cannot work anymore. They don't provide physical productivity in that way. But they have wisdom to pass on to their offspring. They have life hacks, if you want to make a modern way of talking about it. They're they're very vital. And there's, again, you can go into the deeper threads of spirituality and connection and stuff that is not really as quantifiable scientifically, which is what the Blue Zones is more about. It's a, it's a research study. So you can go as deep down into this as you like. But even on the surface, just keeping your elderly relatives around seems to be a very useful and very important aspect of this Blue Zone culture. The next one is also quite related to that. So number eight was engagement in family life, and then number nine is engagement in social life. So I think the key is we are we are social apes. We are creatures of communication, of touch, of play, of interaction whether we like it or not. Now, I, I believe it or not, I can talk into a, a microphone for an hour and some people who know me can know I love to chat. But I would still categorize myself as an introvert, somewhat of an introvert. It certainly has changed in recent years. I've become more ambiverted, which is a lovely phrase I heard. But I'd say, gun to my head, I've had to pick, choose one or the other. I'm definitely definitely more introverted, as in I get my energy, I get my batteries recharged from being alone and quiet and still rather than being the life and soul of any party. the I don't get my buzz from socializing. I use my energy socializing and I regain it in solitude. But I would never deny for a second that I am a social creature. We all are to some extent. Some people need it more than others, as I just said. But playing on a sports team, for example, that would that would contribute to the physical activity side, the life purpose and the and the socializing that ticks a few of those boxes so you you're with a group you're all you know trying striving towards the same goal physically active obviously and there's a social aspect to it too one of the ancient greek um phrases philosophies the i don't know who said it but i i find it's a very good one they said you can discover more about a person in an hour of play than any year of conversation so if you can make your socializing physical as well, which is something we don't do as adults. Like I meet so many of my friends for a cup of coffee or a drink and that's all fine. But as I said earlier, I go bouldering, I go climbing and we're having fun. We're climbing on a wall, we're falling off, we're rolling over, we're playing with each other. If I kick a football around, throw a frisbee. Yeah, just some of these things that just because we're not children anymore play doesn't stop being fun i I love to play i love sports i love physical activity i love that that way of socializing with my friends so engagement in social life seems to be a very key aspect to the blue zones as well and that's it there are nine in the list provided by dan butner some of them are lumped together um other ones that were kind of put into those brackets included more specific ones like less smoking they didn't like these countries had lower rates of smoking overall, which seems fair enough to be healthy. Legumes was another one mentioned. They all ate legumes, which are beans, beans, peas, chickpeas, that kind of thing. All They all commonly consumed legumes. 
And there are a few more little um, more specific ones here and there. You can buy the book or you can look it up. It's called Thrive by Dan Butner from 2010. So Thrive and the sub- subtitle is Finding Happiness the Blue Zones Way, National Geographic. And there have since been, there's a Blue Zones Kitchen. There's a cookbook to eat the way these people do. A second edition of the book, Nine Lessons for Living Longer from the People Who Have Lived the Longest, all by Dan Butner. He's been on many podcasts uh, probably talk shows, uh, whatever. If you Google Dan Butner, I'm sure you'll find a, a load of fascinating stuff about him. I think he's been on the Rich Roll podcast as well, which was nice. Certainly a much longer in-depth chat to get to know him and his background and how he has discovered the Blue Zones, coined the Blue Zones. Or like me, if you've just visit Wikipedia, I'm not talking about the Blue Zone band. There's a band for that. Nor am I talking about the parking zone regulations, see disc parking. And I'm not talking about the United parts of the United States which vote majority Democrats, see red states and blue states. No, blue zones, non-political, not music, not related to disc parking regulations. The five blue zones all across the world that have the longest and healthiest life. The, the best life, seemingly. The Seemingly just lower cases of all the the diseases, the most common killers of humans these days. Heart disease, cancer, diabetes, depression also, suicide. And not only do these people live the longest, as in they they live to the largest number, they become centenary, centurions. They live to over 100, but they stay productive, they stay active longer, they make it physically healthy. They are more, they are living not only longer lives, but better lives. So there's, you can find your own ways to incorporate the Blue Zone priorities into your life, into our, me too, into my life. The thing I thought about recently was what I spent lockdown in Ireland in Clomelan uh, with my family, with my parents. It's where I grew up, oh, where I spent my teenage years, certainly. County Westmeath, it's in the Midlands. But the thing I noticed when I spent three months in Clomelan was that my parents are making their own blue zone. I've I've told them myself they are adapting or have had already or are now adapting a lot of the lessons that Dan Butner talks about. They're both my both my parents are regularly physically active in one way or another, whether it's participating in sports or just cycling, walking, physical around the house, just being on their feet, using their bodies in healthy ways. That's one thing I'd forgotten about to mention with regards to physical activity. It's not just sports, it's not just fitness, but it's also inconvenience, which sounds strange, it might sound a bit unrelated. But these days, so much of what we do is convenience. It, we have a dishwasher to do it, we have... Uh, take your pick, Take uh, think of the mo- modern advancements that mean we don't have to physically do something anymore, which took longer and was slower and more rigorous perhaps, but... That's an example of why it's beneficial because not everything needs to be quicker and faster and instant these days. We can slow down. We can use our bodies. We can do something that is less efficient but more tiring and more physically demanding because that's what we need to do. So seek out inconvenience when possible. Do something the slow way, the harder way, just for the benefit of doing it. If nothing else, it'll give you appreciation. If you do all the washing by hand and then you next time you throw all your stuff in the dishwasher, at least you'll appreciate having the dishwasher more, so that's something. But yeah, to Clamellon, to my parents, the house they've built, 
I was very lucky. You know, my, my parents are still together, love each other very much. They raised us in a very healthy way. We, we played a lot of different sports. We ate very well. We were encouraged not to sit in front of the TV for too long. We did well in school, all things considered, generally well in school. And yeah, so they, they, they already had us on a very decent, healthy, active, social lifestyle. But since then, they've, they've just doubled down. They've gone even better. So I, I've very frequently been home, or semi-frequently been home, um, in my eight or so years of living abroad. But typically I'm home for a weekend, for three days off, or for a week at most. And that's spread between Clamellan and Dublin, so I don't have a lot of time. But as I said, I spent lockdown there, so three months, which gave me plenty of time to settle in and just become one of the family, to become a regular there. And yeah, they, they ticked a lot of those boxes. So as I said, res- regular physical activity. Life purpose, I still struggle with that one, but that's my flaw. I'm not a flaw of the, the lesson at all. But I think everyone has their own purpose in life and you can apply what you like to that. The two food ones, moderate caloric intake and a plant-based diet, are very related. Generally throw in eating healthy. My parents are vegan these days, which is incredible. I, I never thought I'd be able to say that. I didn't even know I would ever be vegan, let alone getting my parents to do it too. And they're should I say 99% vegan. If they're out traveling in, a, in another country, if they can have fish once a year, twice a year, they probably do, but it's very rare. So they have a predominantly plant-based diet, which, yeah, is the ideal for everybody, in nutrition terms anyway. And the moderate caloric intake, with the exception of peanuts with a, a glass of wine, looking at my mom there, if she's listening. Overall, they, they do eat very healthy and they do eat very responsibly. Yeah, and that goes back to moderate alcohol intake. I, I joke about it, and certainly when I was there, we did drink a bit more than uh, than is recommended but that was lockdown we all coped with it in different ways they were all excited that I was home and my dad and I enjoy craft beer so we were indulging a little bit in that but that was a very special case certainly most of the time they are very moderate with their alcohol intake engagement in spirituality or religion well yeah, my mother is very religious my dad somewhat I believe um but they certainly engage with their their spirituality. But they certainly appreciate the the good things in life and are full of gratefulness, love for their family, their friends. They're certainly living a moral and true and honest life. Which yeah, if that leads to some sort of version of heaven in an afterlife insert philosophy here what if that does them good in the next life then i yeah i very much believe it will good for them engagement in family life that's a obvious one and good and bad so there is quite regularly family visiting from dublin but that's the key my family left dublin which was seen we we might have we might as well have been moving to okinawa japan when we told them we were leaving dublin Westmeath, that's so far away, it's one hour by car, but yeah, okay. But they do keep in regular contact with family, and they do know how important family is. They certainly haven't cut ties at all, and that's, they treasure their their loved ones. And number nine, the last one I mentioned, engagement in the social life, is probably the, where they knock it out of the park the most. Well, no, that's probably the plant-based diet, but number nine is a close second, engagement in social life. 
they are very active in the local community. Clonmelland is nice because when I was living there, I was a teenager and I grew up in Dublin. We moved to Clonmelland when I was 11 or 12, 11, I believe. And so to me, having a bit of knowledge of freedom growing up in Dublin, I certainly wasn't old enough to, you know, live my own life. I was still, I was 11 at, at the oldest. So, I, But I, I could walk home from from school on my own. I could do some things with my friends as a group. We were already given a bit of liberty. And yet in Clonmelon, there was, it's, it's a small village. There was one supermarket at the time. There was the church, the school, a couple of pubs and fields. And that was it. If you wanted to go to the cinema, if you wanted to do anything more interesting, you were, you would be relying on your parents who had cars or someone else's parent who had a car to take you anywhere. So I had a bit of a jaded, um, angsty teenage attitude. I wanted to get out of there, but. I'm really glad I spent three months there in lockdown because it reminded me or it it taught me, not even reminded me of how great a place it really was. Even if I didn't, even if I wasn't aware of that as an angsty 15 year old, I was reaping the benefits all the same. We had a dog back then. I would walk the dog semi-regularly, never regularly enough for my parents, but sometimes. And that would give me 30 minutes to an hour out in the country roads where you'd see the rolling green fields and the the... Sometimes you'd see other animals, cows and sheep in the fields. You would meet your neighbours and you would have a little chat with them on the road there. It, it was lovely and I didn't know how good I had it at the time. But now more so than ever, the, the, the Clonmelon community is really active and connected. It, it always was through the church, but that's becoming less uh, of a priority these days. My parents, for example, are active in the Clonmelon community garden, which is an allotment which is great that I dug a little patch there when I was home and I got my hands dirty going back to inconvenienced physical activity, manual labor. It was pretty backbreaking. Like I'm young and overall in quite good condition, but oh, I, when I started digging and pulling weeds and stuff over in that garden, I was just half an hour and I'd be need, I'd need a break. And my parents would go much longer than that. Very impressive. But they met their neighbors there and they had a chat. They would Somebody grew too many tomatoes one year and then they would leave a basket of tomatoes there saying free to take and or they had a WhatsApp group they with all their neighbors. They shared food, they shared um, ideas, tips, they put their money together to invest in better equipment for the allotment. And it's just, I, the thing I really enjoyed was going over, when I was in lockdown in Ireland, it was coming into the summer months, so I was there April, May and June and it was getting warm we had a really a lot of warm weather and not a lot of rainfall considering it was considering it's ireland so one of the most important things we had to do regularly was going over in the evening to water the plants and i really enjoyed it you would take 20 minutes over there the sun would be starting to go down the golden hour and sometimes i would take music or i'd listen to a podcast but quite often i would just walk over it was only 10 minute walk maximum from our house Someone else could be there and you'd have a nice chat or you'd just be there on your own and you would hear the birds and you would just water the plants. And it had such a meditative, relaxing, natural, authentic feeling that it was lovely. I I wasn't great at the, the physical labor, at the skill of gardening, of growing plants, of pulling out weeds, all of that. But I, I certainly reaped the rewards of just regularly visiting the garden. And that's down to the community social aspect but also just the holistic 
getting your hands dirty, becoming more at one with nature, which I really appreciated as well. Uh, my parents are also active in the local bowls community, the church choir, the the community council, the community is it community council, the 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 local groups that organize events, markets, festivals, that kind of thing. It's all very small scale, but they're integral to it, and I think it yeah. It probably provides them a bit of stress in the moment, but it's, a, it's such a lovely thing to see that small village community thriving, I would say. And I've told them, my parents, probably listening, they're two, some of the biggest fans of my podcast. Mom, Dad, thank you very much. And yeah, I've told them, they're doing so well over there. They grow a lot of their own food now. They eat mostly plant-based. They're very active and healthy, active in the community, I'm I'm very grateful and impressed. I, I'm just, it's admirable what they do, the life they built for themselves there. So maybe we can add a sixth blue zone to that list, Clonmelon County, Westmeath. So as I said, in conclusion, I guess the, the main takeaway is how to add some of these things to our own lives. So if you can walk to work or ride a bike instead of taking the car, taking the bus, the train, Get up, walk around, don't sit down for too long. Things like increasing the amount of plants in your diet, reducing the amount of alcohol, cutting down smoking, they're all obvious things. But the less obvious ones were, to me, the, the likes of prioritizing elderly family members, engaging in your local community, being inconvenienced, having to do more physical, more slow things. I think we can all take some lessons from that into our everyday lives and see how we can reap the benefits and we may not as a society live to 100 the way they do in Nicoya, Costa Rica for example but we can increase our physical activity we can reduce our stress levels we can hopefully make our way in that direction to a better healthier longer life so guys that's it today it it was lovely to talk to you thank you very much I'm still I'm really enjoying this podcast you'd be surprised with the amount of editing I do which involves just cutting out repeatedly thanking people because, yeah, I just I like to make it clear that I'm grateful, but I do it in such a scattergun, vague way, and I I'll end up cutting them all out, and I just say at the end, thank you very much for listening, because it's true, I really do appreciate it. I enjoy the work, I enjoyed this part, uh, sometimes I write a script, today clearly I didn't. It's all, it's a chore, a labour of love, I guess you'd say. There is a bit of work involved, more than I expected, but it's something I'm really enjoying, and enjoying more than I expected. So I'll be doing it regardless, but if you're listening in, even better. Uh, if you want to share the podcast, do all that good stuff, that would be lovely. You can like, subscribe, review. Wherever you're listening, there's probably some sort of subscribe, share, review, like feature. Go onto your app, go onto your website, leave a comment. Check out my social media, at Stephen Runs Vegan on Instagram. You can email me again, any questions, stephenrunsvegan at gmail.com. And I'll keep having one of these up every Thursday, probably within the realms of veganism, of fitness, of running, travel, and anything else that just strikes my curiosity. Interviews as well, of course. I'll be be interviewing friends of mine, people I really look up to. And yeah, who knows in the future, we'll see. But there I will love you and leave you. The Blue Zones, guys, don't remember. (laughs) Don't remember. Don't forget. Five parts of the world with nine lessons. Dan Butner, look it up, how we can all live a better life. But I won't get preachy. I can do with learning a lot of these lessons myself. 
Take care, everyone. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.